podcasting from the deep depths of cyberspace. This is Darn IT Podcast, cybersecurity made simple. And I'm your host, Darna G, CEO of Darn IT Group. Episode 42. When does a cyber attack become an act of war? Hello listeners, Darn G here in this latest episode of Darn IT Podcast. Now I have quite the doozy for you here today, and yes, I did say doozy. When when you hear on the news, and I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you either are in the know or you're in the don't know. The point here is that there is a increase and in growing number of cyber attacks to various governments, businesses, individuals alike all over the world. And during the March 2020 pandemic rise, the the basic values of the attack have increased tenfold. So with this increase of cyber attacks, this causes extreme expenses, headaches, and potentially endangering life. These sometimes state-sponsored attacks have also increased as well, from hacking uh, government and military infrastructure to obtain information or to deface. Now, when you think of this, especially coming from a country in the Western world, some of the adversaries in certain ways, um, and by adversaries, I mean governments, not the people themselves necessarily, are countries like Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, etc. Now, these are some of the countries that on a constant daily basis are attacking Canada and the United States, for example. So the big question here, and I've been asked this, and I've sat down and thought about this as well. Why aren't these attacks considered acts of war in 21st century terms? Now, I'll sort of preface this that this is a very, very convoluted um, process because you got to think about that the law of war has been around for hundreds of thousands of years. I mean, thousands of years, for example. If you want to go back you know, five, six, south of thousand years ago, the internet wasn't exactly there. So the law of war in certain ways has evolved over time, but its terminology is pretty standard. The engagements of war is a little different as each century unfolds. However, war is war. And when you think and conceptualize about war, you think about you know tanks, um, army people, um, sergeants, lieutenants, everybody, um, killing each other, blowing things up, that sort of thing. And, and I'm not trying to glorify war in certain ways, but when you talk about the physical attributes of war, death, destruction, etc., um, really begs the question as to how do we correlate this to cyber attacks? Because in essence, 
there is a war going on underneath our fingertips. The law of war predates the internet that we're working in. So this this really puts us in murky water. So there's really no way to sit here and say, um, because someone deploys a ransomware attack against a hospital that we're going to launch a nuclear weapon to their their hospital. Like, it's just, it's not something that equates to that. Like, the skid per quo, as you will, from launching a nuclear, a nuclear missile versus launching a ransomware attack are not under the same definitions. Um, even though that that ransomware may cause some duress in that hospital, for example, uh, it still doesn't warrant the same response as launching said nuclear missile to the opponent's other hospital. Uh, and, you know, the cyberspace in, in the military sense is considered an operational domain. Uh, in which the military in itself must be able to defend and operate much like other aspects of the forces. So for the United States, for example, um, in terms of operational domains, they saw a a need to have a military presence in space, hence why the, the Space Force was created. But uh, in Canada and the United States, um, you know, since the beginning of the Internet, um, there are uh, different agencies out there that, basically protect um, Canadians and Americans, for example, against cyber threats. Now, they're not perfect. Some of them actually specifically look at government attacks against the uh, national interests, for example, as opposed to worrying about businesses, because that's more in a, in a private domain. But declaring act of war is sort of subjective in some ways. Um, should not, this should not only be considered um, to political belief, but also to public opinion. Um, so for an example, so try to rationalize this a bit. If every known Gmail account in the world was hacked and all this data was copied to China, um, which sort of to preface that they've done that before in, in some ways and they've, it's been proven and they've been caught, um, then perhaps that breach could be considered an act of extreme espionage, but not necessarily an act of war. So again, just to backtrack what I said, if, for example, China copied all Gmail accounts over to, you know, a Chinese military base or whatever, um, that would be considered an act of espionage not necessarily an act of war. And and let me, let me kind of give you the other opposite. I don't know if you remember the Iranian uh, Suxnet worm. worm. Um, that could have been considered an act of war from the USA. Um, they were caught um, being involved in attacking uh, Iranian nuclear reactor. So... If if that, for example, happened, if the U.S., the CIA, NSA, whomever, I believe it was the CIA, I always blame the CIA. Um, <laughs> um, guys, the ceases are laughing right now. But um, the, <laughs> the the sorry, the the actual cyber attack against the Iranian uh, nuclear plant 
could have potentially caused an incident. And by incident, I mean a meltdown, explosion, etc., which thankfully didn't happen, but sort of like a, sort of a polar opposite. Like it's not just us against them sort of mentality. It's the fact that these sort of cyber attacks or counterattacks happen in an almost daily basis. So cyber attack operations can include all sorts of activity, such as uh, website disruptions, um, stealing um, credentials, uh, bringing down infrastructure, reconnaissance, um, securing access to key network systems, um, implanting malicious codes, foreign intelligence, getting info on military capabilities and intentions, blah, 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 etc., so forth. Um, the information war is happening, and this happens 24-7, 365. The information war is much like if you were to compare it to the Cold War. Um, they don't necessarily fight each other in the Cold War. It was more of a military advancement. So the United States and Russia basically were increasing their nuclear arsenal, their military capabilities in that Cold War for the supremacy and dominance of the world. And that went on for many years. But as much as there were tensions between the two countries, obviously, but there was no missiles, nuclear missiles fired against each other because there was nothing really happening to each other, right? So if you were to put that in some sort of cyberspace sense, it would be the same thing happening today. Just like the U.S., Russia, the Five Eyes, all of them, uh, we are, in essence, um, doing a sort of tit-for-tat operation. So if a, uh, a state-sponsored country like, or a state-sponsored criminal group or, or cyber group, let's say in China, for example, um, starts attacking different institutions here in Canada... Uh, Canada would either, you know, def detect and reflect that, but also um, respond back to the set attacks. And I understand that it may be um, frustrating, but the fact of the matter is that this war, there is no winners. There's always going to be losers and the losers are, are always going to be on each side. And, and I say this because at the end of the day, this really affects the people. And I know most of the time, and, and I may see bias for coming from this, but someone who's been here, been in the sort of shadows for a certain amount of time, understand that we don't maliciously, as a government in Canada, we don't maliciously attack other countries in that purpose. Yes, there are some retaliatory um, attacks or retaliatory events due to what was done to us. But I can tell you from experience that it's not necessarily we're being the bad people, but we're also retaliating in, in, in ways because of how they are retaliating or how they are, are reacting. And the, the proof is in the pudding, you know, to be honest. So, how do we stop it? How do we stop this from happening? And this is quite a loaded question and a, a quite loaded answer. Um, but to put it this way, no system, government or state is ever going to be 100% secure. Uh, countries are not always to blame. 
as some of these threat actors sometimes are are uh, are acting alone in their own countries for some sort of monetary gain, which is why this mainly happens if it's not state sponsored. Um, war is not escapable, which is why cyber warfare must be handled by computers. I'll say this again: war it is not escapable. And the reason I say this is because that once you roll out tanks, send unmanned aerial vehicles, fighter jets, soldiers, etc. into any areas, and when there is loss of life, this you cannot escape. The reality of this is people are dying and people are getting hurt. Infrastructure is getting destroyed. In cyberspace, it's not necessarily the same the same cause. It is really up to the country and organization to take the preventative measures to ascertain where these attacks are happening, but first and foremost, to try to mitigate that risk, to eliminate the risk as much as possible with that understanding that there are going to be adversaries out there trying to access information. And it's the government's responsibility as well as the corporate responsibility to make sure that they have the tools, the resources in place to avoid a takedown. And these takedowns can happen quickly or they can happen slowly. And I say this because uh, uh, in some of my previous podcasts, I mentioned this. One of our greatest uh, technology uh, companies, Nortel, back in the back in the early days, were a complete giant in the IT sector. And that was a company I greatly admired back then. However, as time went on and as we kind of pulled apart the onion as well, as you will, with the evidence, that there was many errors and faults with the upper management as well as interference from the Chinese. So a lot of that happened and coincidentally, and I don't believe in coincidences, that um, Huawei was born and now has become one of the biggest giants in the world. So this is a, a pretty extreme example, but things that do happen in the operational domains of the internet. And this is something that a lot of businesses, governments, and agencies alike need to consider if they are going to continue to operate in this domain. And the level of uh, ignorance and arrogance that presents himself in people who work in the cyber field or the people who work in business and uh, who operate businesses really do not take the time, effort, consideration, love into thinking about these risks and thinking about these adversaries that exist in the world. And the fact that they're not doesn't mean they're not knocking on your doorstep with guns pointing at your head does not necessarily mean that they're going to do that in cyberspace. It's a lot harder to detect it's a lot harder to sort of emotionally comp to emotionally um, think about or emotionally decide that this is a problem. And most of the time, unfortunately, just like the, the comparison I like to make as well, is like with, when someone breaks into your home, you don't feel safe. You think that deadbolt's going to protect you, but in essence, it didn't. Um, when you think about IT security or cybersecurity, a lot of businesses, a lot of governments are using that deadbolt. But it's only a matter of time before someone kicks down that door, either in cyberspace or literally, when is when you start thinking about why you need to change some of the dynamics in your organization or, or your government. 
But the problem is most of the time, this is reactive, not proactive. So before sitting here and getting upset over some of the tax that go on, you have to understand what is it that we need to do as a business, as a municipality, a government, individually, whatever. What is it that we need to do in order to protect ourselves from these threats? And once we put something in place and we work on that every single day in your human firewall and in your technological processes, then only then that I can confidently say that you will be able to protect yourself, protect your business against these adversaries, even though something would happen, the defenses would be in place, the onion layers would be in place to protect you from these sorts of threats. Thank you so much for listening to this latest podcast of Darn IT Podcast. I'm your host, Darnley G. Remember, look both ways before crossing the information superhighway. Safe computing, everybody.